When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb, joined by frequent guest co-host of the Winning Plays Pod, Brendan Jackson of Celtics Sub. Make sure you're following him at Jack S-O-B-D on Twitter for scourging hot Celtics takes. <laughs> BC takes and plenty of other goodness there. So, <laughs> Jax, it's good to see you. It's been, we haven't talked since the trade deadline here, but I, we're going to start the pod here with Jalen Brown's injury. I think it's the easiest place to go. It looks like the Celtics may have dodged a bullet, just a sprained ankle. He seems to be day to day right now, out for the Memphis game on Thursday night. But what your initial impressions from the injury, and I, I saw, let's leave it here. We saw what Ime Odoka did. And Tuesday night, going with Aaron Neesmith to start the second yep. half against that Hawks game. Do you like that move going forward, or are you inclined to say, "Hey, let's like roll Derek White out with the starters to kind of see what it looks like"? So, thanks for that intro. That was awesome. I love being on camera. By the way, this is my first time on camera. I mean, the flow looks dope. good. <laughs> I make know. Sure, make sure you're watching the video afterwards. Jackson's good. <laughs> uh, Barbara charges me double. Anyway, um, so yeah, to, to let's kick it off with the injury, like you said. When he, I know you texted me right when it happened because you had a bad angle. You were at the game. I'm watching it on my couch, you know. And they showed the replay on TNT, and it looked nasty when I first saw it. Like, it looked like, you know, one of those full rotations. Not like a Gordon Hayward, like, oh, God, his career's over type deal. But, no, it was just one of those ankle rolls where you're just like, sometimes you do a little tweak and sometimes you do the full roll. It was the full roll. And so, like, that was like, ugh. Now, that being said, he jumped right back up. I saw you tweeted, we were on commercial break. I saw you tweeted immediately, like he's walking under his own power. So that was a good sign. I know we've played ball our whole lives. You know that feeling when you roll an ankle and it initially feels bad, it looks bad. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, no, okay. Like it hurts, but like, I'm going to be okay. That's my prediction with this injury. I think he's day to day. I think he's going to give it a go when he can. And Yudoka's like, yeah, maybe he could play on Thursday, but why? Like, <laughs> so like, I just think there's no reason for him to play. So let's, you know, give him another day to day. You got a big game on Sunday against Brooklyn. Just give it one day, right? And between you and me, we'll get to it. But like, Memphis is going to be tough even with Jalen Brown. You need a healthy Jalen Brown. So we'll we'll get to that. And you know, if you're gonna like, you know roll the dice and just say, let's see what happens on a Thursday night game against one of the best teams in the league. Like you might as well just roll the dice. Like I said, so in terms of starting, I hated putting Aaron Neesmith. I felt so bad for the kid. They literally, I feel like they threw him to the wolves. He hadn't played in like, or played any meaningful minutes in like the last like six, 10, 20. He was out of the rotation. You know what I mean? And so like, I I get it. Like in moments like professional basketball players, you got to step up. Like, I'll never forget talking to Marquise Daniels one time, being like, he had a, he came off the bench and had a great game, you know, similar. And we might have talked about this the last time I was on the pod, but like, 
Um, Gerald, you remember a few years ago when Gerald Green came off the uh, started? Brad put him in the starting yeah, yeah, lineup. Threw him in the, the yeah, during the playoffs, sure. And he was awesome. Like I get it. Like professionals are supposed to be ready. And when I was talking to Marquis Daniels, I asked him like he had a really good game. He hadn't been in the rotation, and he was like, "Dude, I'm a professional. Like this is what we do." And it was just like, oh, "Okay, I should probably like take that to my real life because <laughs> I get I would just never be prepared that way, you know." And so anyway. I just think they threw this kid to the wolves and he, he just did what he does. He has that like sort of unfocused energy where he looks like he's working very hard and to, to be fair, he probably is, you know, but like it doesn't really translate into winning basketball. You know, he doesn't make his threes. He's sort of getting beat off the dribble or getting bullied by Gallinari. You know, it's so funny to see a guy like Marcus smart body Gallinari who's shorter than Aaron Neesmith and then Aaron Neesmith just immediately get called for a foul, you know, and I get it. It's hard to compare to Marcus Smart, but anyway, this is all to say, I would definitely go with Derek White. It's just, to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, and Brad Stevens kind of did this too, where, you know, they like to keep the rhythm of the rotation going. So it's like, okay, let's, like you said, let's throw the guy who's not playing into that slot in the starting five, and that way maybe we can hide him a little, but at least we have everything else kind of is, you know, normal as is there. For a short-term absence like this, like what Brown's looking like, like I don't mind that too much. But to your point, like if it's, you know, if you're, you know, Nismith is working his butt off and obviously defensively they played, you know, I don't know how much responsibility you want to give him to the turnaround, like not huge, but he played played well enough where they, you know, he wasn't a huge liability defensively out there. He was rebounding, he was working his butt off, he was benefiting from this, some missed shots by Atlanta. Um, but like you said, it's a different can of worms. These next two games with Memphis and Brooklyn count coming up and, and white is like a starter and he's, and he's proven. So you, I, I don't know whether you want to, it puts more pressure on Neesmith to put him in a, in a spot like that, but I guess if it's, he's going to have to play either way, I guess if they want the continuity that they might just stick with that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly okay with it, especially given like the time to prepare for, at least mentally, you know, any, any of these NBA players are good basketball players. Like, let's dispel that notion that, like, the kid can't play. He can play. I don't know if he can play in the NBA and become, like, uh, you know, he's still so young and become a real contributor in the NBA. But we know he can make shots. We know he, like, knows how to play the game. Um, I, I, I just think because he's so young and because he sort of was in, you know, he was, he was Danny's first-round pick, right? And then he was in Brad's rotation. Everyone's really excited about him. And then Yudoku came was like, mm, I, I don't know if I trust you. I'm going to like sort of play you in the beginning of the year, sort of not play you for 20 games. And now you're starting. Like, I just want to make sure that they don't ruin this kid before he gets a chance to actually like, you know, fulfill his potential. And the other thing, which they're not thinking about, trust me, I know they're not thinking about, but I know we're thinking about he, if he's in the starting lineup, Everyone's going to be looking at him versus Desmond Bain. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Aaron Neesmith, the guy that Danny picked over Desmond Bain. Essentially, that's what it is. You know, he wanted what him and what Carson Edwards or something. Like, I forget what the mechanism well, was. Well it's, but... well, it's good that they dumped Ennis Freedom before that this matchup because that would that would serve as another uh, reminder. reminder for the uh, for your entire match. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll have to spend 10 minutes on Desmond Bain Raider uh, in this podcast for uh, – entertainment like but you're right no that is it is like the the unintentional comparison there that will inevitably happen if if 
those two guys on the floor. And you're right, they're they're not they're not gonna that's gonna factor zero point zero percent into consideration. But you know, the after the fact, like what he hears about after the game, you know, on social media or whatever else, like that's obviously gonna come up. But like so but let, let's transition to White though for a little bit because mm-hmm. White kind of came in, you know, we've seen I think like eight games from him now. So we're we're moving past the small sample size theater, if you will. I'd say the game against the Hawks was probably his best game period. Um, I know uh, outside of maybe the, his debut when he played the Nuggets, they had another nice comeback win there, but he was, you know, just like a monster in the second half there, uh, kind of getting aggressive offensively, finding a shot there. And the three-point shot still isn't falling, Jax, but mm-hmm. it's still like, it almost is like he does enough other stuff where it seems like it doesn't matter on the right night, you know, on the right night where you, you got other guys that are hitting shots too. Well, it's kind of like you want Aaron Neesmith to be like that guy, right? To be like Derek White, where it's like, even if your shots, I mean, obviously you want both their shots to fall, but if their shots are not falling, like Derek obviously does a ton more handling the ball, you know, initiating offense, playing that point role, uh, and just his defense is really good. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, He's He attacks, he finishes, he has these like array of floaters. He's just... Honestly, when they traded for him, I made some stupid snarky tweet because I'm a jerk about how like the Celtics gave up so much for like the worst of the Spurs rotation wings. And now, you know, obviously I'm not like watching the Spurs every day, but now I'm not so sure that that's true. I mean, that I think what I was trying to do was speak more to their wing depth. You know, they got some great wing depth over in San Antonio. But I've just been – I've loved what he's brought. I've loved that he can start. He can come off the bench. He can play point. It, he sort of looks like at that unorthodox her, herky-jerky game, but it goes in. He's super active, and he's super active on defense. He's super active rebounding the ball. Um, I'm just – I've just been a big fan. And, he, like, he was 2 for 12 or something like the other night, like something, like, crazy where I'm like, oh, man. he. It, but to be honest with you, that was, like, a revelation I saw – after the game when I looked at the box score because to your point like when you watch him play you you don't like you're, you're not you might see that like his shots not falling but you don't feel like he's not affecting the game in a positive way right. you know con- contrast that with Aaron Neesmith you're seeing the effort for sure but are you really seeing him in on the in on the glass he can absolutely he 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 gobbles up defensive rebounds I love it I love his athleticism but in aggregate are you really seeing a guy who's affecting the game in a positive way at this point. And obviously not as much as Derek white, I would say. I think it's, and that's a really good point for the standpoint. The Celtics don't have many guys like didn't have a guy like that period that can kind of slide into that because, and smarts to his credit, like in the last six or seven weeks has become that guy more and more offensively where the, I mean, the shot selection is better. You know, the, the shots are going in more obviously. Right. You know, I mean, you know, and the defense, you know, we were, we don't need to talk about that. Like we're, I was just kind of an offense focused discussion, but, but Wade is something where it's like the ball is just not going to stick with him. And yep. he's, he's shooting 24% from three, but like you're not going to quibble with any of the shots he's taking because they're either in rhythm or they're wide open. So, it's or like, end of the shot clock. Or the end of the exactly. like, yeah. So when you, you, you get that and you have someone who's, you know, makes the ball move who like probes the defense and helps and, and can be on the ball, off the ball, et cetera, like kind of can slide in wherever it's some of And to your point, like he probably has some of the worst numbers of the, the Spurs prospects, but 
if you when you if you're just strictly talking like who's like the worst player among them, like I don't think it was Derek White. It's like yeah, the guys they're going to be better numbers in that group, but like from a pure like two way standpoint, there I think any team in the league could use a Derek White, and whether he'll be worth you know the uh, the fifteenth overall pick and a potential picks you know high pick swap in twenty twenty eight, we'll see. But it's for now, it's at least made this team a little bit more exciting. I think it just at least a little bit more relevant in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I have no problem with the trade now. You know, I was a little bitter, like I said, like, you know, airing my, you know, unwarranted grievances uh, when it first went down. But I, I love him. He's also a guy you want to watch, you guy you want to root for. Because to your to what you said earlier, like, he, the ball doesn't stick with him. And that's been a huge problem with this team in the middle of the whole middle of the season, the ball stickiness. It's like every time, even, even there's small spots in games where you'll watch a game and obviously Tatum is probably the worst defender. It's sort of that, like, it's sort of that double-edged sort of like, he's so good one-on-one. So you like, you're like, Oh great. He's your star player. I grew up watching Paul Pierce go one-on-one and make shots and like get all revved up because of that. Like Tatum is just taking the mantle. He's just doing that kind of stuff that all stars do, except that's not what this team in the modern NBA is built on like success wise. Like, if they just move the ball, they're going to get open shots. The defense is just in the NBA has to like, as it's asked, like the NBA asks way too much of its defense because the stars are so good. So there was a, there was a scene, they uh, had a baseline camera in the Hawks game and there were like three guys on Tatum and there were like four, like there was like two Celtics on the other side wide open. And he still found like, I, I think another wide open guy. It was just like, it was awesome. It was awesome. Now Tatum in the beginning of the year, maybe he would try to do that dribble step back three. And it's just like, no, no, move the ball. (laughs) And I don't know if you saw this earlier today, Jackson, our buddy Mike Pina um, wrote for SI. He was kind of tracking Tatum mid-range attempts. I did see that. And I think it's down to 12% of his shots um, in that was, and it was in the twenties early in the season. And so that when you combine that with the the vision you're talking about, like it's kind of, you know, it's, it's sneaky. The biggest storyline of this turnaround right now is Tatum. I mean, you look at his assist numbers for the last six games, it's like six, five, four, six, three, seven. You don't, it's becoming more of the rule rather than the exception. It's like, okay, he is, he's fine. Those guys. And there's, there's still time where he's guilty of it. Then it looks bad. Like the Pacers game, he was, whether it was dead legs or whatever it was, that was, uh, you know, I think the whole team was guilty of just trying to settle in that game and, you know, running gun and, and obviously did not work. Um, but by and large, that Hawks game was a huge moment for them. It's like, okay, this is it. Like they're going to put swing two or three guys to you and you have to find the right pass. And he's getting better at not just like finding, but finding it quickly. And so that way you have the Grant Williams of the world or whoever else just getting that wide open look and kind of hitting it confidently when, when they need to. Yeah. And obviously Grant has gotten so much better, especially from the perimeter. Just it's, it's amazing to watch. I mean, you knew you had his defense, you knew he had his hustle and his girth, but now he can confidently hit those threes and consistently it's, it's, it's awesome. And that like that, I was really upset in the first half of that Hawks game. Like I was like, I'm going to turn my TV off. Like you're down like 15 to the Atlanta Hawks. Like this should be a competitive game. Atlanta Hawks are not chunks. Like Trey Young's a very good player. 
they have like an array of wings, like DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich, like good wings, solid. Wings. I love Bogdanovich, by the way. Totally, like, I whether, like he's, the, I, I, you know, the the trade rumors when they were potentially looking at him, like he would just be a great fit. I mean, it's not going to happen now, obviously, because they're they're kind of settled in. But he's just he he finds his game so well within the flow of it, and like you don't know what to do with him because if you jump up on him too much, he's going to drive by you. He can't defend a lick, but whatever. Like offensively, it's it's fun to watch. Totally, and like that's the thing. Like I, I uh, he also made like every shot the other night. Right, I mean that too. That helps too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but like I, uh, I was talking to Ryan on Twitter the other day, and we were talking about Pirtle. I think that's how you pronounce it. Then like basically the Wordle of yeah, yeah. the NBA. NBA yep, Jakob Pirtle. Um, and we were, we were talking about who our starters are, like who's your starting guy, and you have to pick like the most average guy. It's sort of like you're playing F the dealer, you know. It's like when you're asked for a card, it's like higher or lower, you know. So you got to find that middle thing. You always say seven because then you can figure out where you're going to be, you know, uh, higher or lower. So you pick the most like middle of the road NBA player, and that's Bogdan Bogdanovich. That he is like. Like 29 years old, 6'6", six, six, you know, like <laughs> I think he's number 12, you know, on his jersey. And so, like, you really, like, you really get – and his game is, like, kind of the most middle of the road. Like, right. super consistent, great guy off the bench, right? And he could spot starter. He Honestly, I would start – instead of Aaron Neesmith, I'd start Bogdanovich. All right. Let's do that. Keep Derek White on the bench. We'll just start Bogdan. Could <laughs> <laughs> I – that was the – the I think I don't know whether it was like the smart. There was a lot of Atlanta Boston noise around the trade deadline, but that was probably one of the things. If if Smart would have been moved, I imagine Bogdanovich would have been one of the Come names back. coming back in a deal like that. Like and but I think their and, salaries sort of match up too, like a yeah. little bit. You know, they're both like like mid, like they, right. you know they were expensive. And, now they're not <laughs> right. And now obviously with the way Smart's played, that's you know it would have been more than Bogdanovich coming back, but it make you know the Celtics can obviously feel very good about. Um, not moving smart at this point based on oh, how yeah. good he's looked in the, they need him, <laughs> they need him in a, in a very big way. Um, Grant Williams, you brought him up. Do you, and I, I threw this, I, I talked to Forsberg around this, I think like a week or two ago. How interested are you in giving him an extension this summer? In oh, from a standpoint, but like how, I know you're like, interested, but like how far are you willing to go? Are you, t- are we talking like, are you going over, you know, Rob got, I think probably like 448 last year. And that's, and some of that wasn't guaranteed. And there are some incentives on top of that. Like how far are you willing to go for Grant Williams, knowing that you have obviously a ton of money tied up with other guys on this roster right now, um, pretty much for the next three years with the White's deal and, and the Tice deal, which we can get to in a little bit in terms of um, kind of having a little too much money in the books for a guy who's, not playing yet, but like how far would you go for Grant right now in terms of, you know, with him pretty much keeping up this level of play for pretty close to three quarters of the season now? Yeah. I mean, I'm ho- and that's the, you're absolutely right. Like I'm, pre- I'm predicating my answer on the fact that this is who he is. Like this is, this is a logical progression, right? Right. First started out in his career, can't shoot at all. Like for whatever reason, can't shoot, but was still sort of that shades of that really good defensive player, really good high effort player, smart basketball player, good passer. You know, next now, now he can shoot. Like now he's shown he can shoot. So like that is an invaluable skill. I mean, PJ Tucker built a whole career on three and D and I know lots of people do, but I, I bring up Tucker cause he's like got that like 
bulk, like that bulk, like dirt dog type guy as well. So, I, I mean, I these contracts always sort of fool me because I, whenever someone signs a new contract, I immediately am like, oh my god, that's an overpay because every year the cap is is raised a couple, at least right. a couple million bucks. So, like, I, I bring this up every time we talk. Every time I talk to anyone, when Avery Bradley first signed his extension, I think it was like for like four years average annual value of like eight million i was like are you insane like for avery bradley like sometimes backup point guard but like starting point guard on like a mediocre team yeah he's a good defender but like that by the end of that contract that was such a bargain and so like the end of the rob contract the rob williams contract assuming uh he stays healthy let's say he stays healthy that's going to be like one of the best contracts in the league that's going to be like the (laughs) most valuable contract in the league so like I it's hard for me to say like four years 40 million is too much for Grant because I don't see how he can't get as much as Rob, even with Rob's injury history. Right. But you, he can't make is he gonna sign like four years, eight million average annual value? Like, no way. It's not yeah. gonna get it done. So like I, I guess it's four forty. Do you do you, I mean is that what you're thinking? Yeah, no, I mean it's the the more you shoot again, he's shooting forty three percent from three. It's insane on like three and a half <laughs> attempts per game, which I don't have the, you know, that's still probably like Ray the, Allen territory. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's in within probably like top 10, 15 in the NBA right now amongst, you know, high volume shooters. And the, the, the thing that like he actually shot pretty well last year too, but the defensive steps he's taken this year, like he was just such a mess defensively last year for, he fouled I think more than almost like anyone in the league for mm-hmm. 36 minutes. And this year, that's really gotten under control. And so like he has, there are some games where he gets pulled and, you know, you can see that he is not happy when he, you know, I think the first half last night was like, yeah, but he had some pretty dumb fouls. I feel like, um, for guys, for guys taking jump shots or whatever, but by and large in a switching scheme, he's very valuable because of, you know, he's a smart defender and his body type lets him be able to go between three or four positions and at least kind of hold his own. So, if you're like, okay, yeah, like I'm only going to give you $8 million per year, then Grant's going to be like, yeah, well, guess what? There's not a lot of guys in the league. You know, I'm not that good, but there's not a lot of guys in the league that can, that have my skill set that, you know, as for a bench play right now. So, like, and I'm going to get paid. Of, there's plenty of other teams that would pay that. You know what I mean? That right. would pay over. So you can't lowball them. You can't give them, if you want to keep them, right? Let's assume the Celtics want to keep them. And they'll figure out Tice. They'll figure out the cap. They'll figure out the luxury tax. At some point, B. That's the other thing. At some point, if they're going all in, if if you know if they feel like their core of Tatum and Brown are are it, you know, like they're going, you know, they're going to be good enough to contend with you know added pieces around them or pieces around them that we currently that sellers currently have getting better, then they're going to be a luxury tax team. Like yeah. they're absolutely. It's, it's just like not. It's not a question. So at that point, it's like if you're already a luxury tax team, I mean, it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say. It's like, well, yeah, then you pay to keep Grant Williams. I mean, like, uh, and I'm not, com- I'm comparing him to Draymond Green just because it, they, you know, granted his absolute best ever would be like the bottom of Draymond Green. You know, Draymond Green. Draymond's worst season. Yeah, exactly. But, to, you know, he got paid like great Jam- not as oh, much yeah. as Curry and Clay, but so like you got to pay to keep those guys around. If they didn't pay to keep Draymond around, who knows what their sort of level of success is, you know? Sure. 
So I, and he's is Horford insurance. Like I know Horford's gone after the season, unless he signs like a really sweetheart deal or whatever. Um, but like, like it, it's just, you need a guy like that, especially a guy to back up a guy like Horford or to start alongside Horford who has that switchability because I worry about the mileage on Horford's legs, even, even going into the playoffs, but that's another topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll get to that in a second here, but first we're going to talk about our, our sponsor, Bet Online. Football season is over, but we got basketball, pro, and college hoops in full swing. I mean, March Madness, Jacks, it's coming up here, oh, and I can't wait. All, it's going to be BC. We'll see where they whether they draw. Them. And then they're getting yeah, they're getting shellacked by Miami last time I checked tonight. Oh god! But so for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and you can even bet on where you think the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can use the promo code CLNS50 to get started. And there's more in this basketball, Ben Lines, your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, all the way down to Vegas casino games. Ben Line is your number one online wagering destination. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Ben Online, where the game starts. All right, you brought up Horford Jacks. I think it sounds, I mean, he has this one more year on his deal next year. Half of it's guaranteed. I've talked to Ryan about it. I've talked to people around the league about it, the, his contract for next year. I think at this point, he's probably playing his way towards the Celtics keeping him as opposed to taking that dead cap hit of like $15 million and just not having him. Because, yeah, obviously he's not a $27 million player, but the more is he like a $12 million player? Cause that's essentially what you're, you know, that's your take or lose it situation right now. And he's the way he's gone this year. It's kind of going closer to yes and no. So wait, help me understand how his contract, I how the non-guarantee works. Could they keep him for up to his guaranteed money? He would just yeah, have to so agree they could, to it. So, right. So you could, if you want to keep him, you have three options. You can yeah. keep him for $27 million and just like yeah. play like usual. You can cut him, and then you take a $14 million, $14.5 million cap hit of dead cap. Um, In that scenario, they could theoretically try to resign him, like cut him, and then you don't have, you don't, you you can, you're allowed to do that, but then you're, you know, you don't have bird rights on him. So you can only use the mid level or default take a sweetheart deal, which he's probably not going to do because people will be going after him if he's an open. So if, I guess the, the bottom line is if like, when you've added all this salary to your roster for next year and you're not going to have spending flexibility, like if you don't have a way to replace Al Horford on your team, given how good he has been with the stars this year, like you kind of got to keep him, right? Like even, and just take, it's only one more year of that, of the, the money, unless you're, you know, you're trading him in some kind of, you know, bigger deal for, for a bigger fish. Of course. Yeah. As, but I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is you couldn't keep him for 14. Is that what you're saying? Like, you, no, you no couldn't, way, there's no way yeah. to keep him for 14. You can, you can, get that 14 and then you can you know say hey i'm gonna we're gonna cut you but we'll will you come back for the veterans minimum you can try yeah. to pull something like that and get a team for 16 wow. but then he's gonna be like he's gonna be like we know before that he likes money based on the, yeah. the deal he got from philly so i'd be yeah but not for nothing to do that. not for nothing as much as that worked for him financially like if you asked him was he happy there's right no it was, a, it was a big not. mistake for him yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> so, so maybe now maybe you're right maybe it's like a situation like hey al like we want you to stay but we can't 
afford to pay you 27. So how about you do us a favor and you come back for the veterans minimum and you still get to keep half your money. Um, yeah. who knows? I mean, that's a, he's not gonna, that's not a, that's an easier conversation to have if the Celtics go to like the conference finals or something like that, or at least somewhere where you can say you have a big role, but you're right. There's a lot of guys. I mean, he's at a point in his career now where, you know, he got that last big contract. So you wonder how he'll handle a, a potential scenario like that. If it, if it comes to that. I think, I think the, the two big questions are, it's like, for personally, Al, how badly do you want to play? Or how like how long do you want to play? How many more years? Yeah. Do you want to are you taking it year by year until the wheels fall off? Or are you like, I know I got a season and a half left? Because like, you know, and if if this is his last year, I'm probably if the Celtics try to do, I give that a five percent chance of happening just off the top. The whole veteran minimum convince him to stay. Like yeah. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I can't see it happening. He's playing too well. Right. He's playing A, he's playing too well, and B, like I don't know. Like when you get used to making as someone who's used to making $27 million a year, <laughs> if I had to go down to seven or whatever the vet minimum for right. a guy who's been in the league forever is, you know, that would be hard. That would, that would be That's hard. Heavy, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, it's like, God, you have a, you have 27 in the hand and you have at least have 14 in the hand. Right. If you right. refuse. So I, this goes back to um, uh, what you said. It's like, well, did he take him deep into the conference finals? Are they playing well? That kind of thing. I predict, and I'm going to get killed for this, but like I predict the wheels are falling off quicker than we think. We already have seen that he isn't the player he was, but why we're not expecting him to be that player he was, you know, three years ago when, you know, he was sort of in his prime Celtics career type, you know? Yeah. Um, now, like, we're just happy. Like, his shooting has fallen off a cliff, but like, he can do so many other things still really well that you're just like, okay, I'll take it. Um, Well, but I predict in the playoffs, like it's, it's like, that's why you need Grant Williams to be Al insurance. I think you're going to get like one out of every three games is going to be like a decent game for him. I just, and I know like there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs. I know you get longer layoffs, but like it's so, so much more intense basketball than what we see in like the middle of the regular season that I just, I worry. That's the thing. I just worry. So I don't see that getting any better next year. So keeping him for 27 million next year, I, I really don't care either way. I, I, I like him as a guy. I like him as a player, especially the way he's playing now. I don't expect him to be as good as he is now next year. I worry though that I, it really depends. God, I'm just rambling now, but it really depends on, do you think the Celtics are, this year and next year title contenders. And like, I know that I know that there's still work to do for next year's team. This year's team is not going to be next year's team, but the core is. So like, if you think this year's core is a, is a title contending team, then yeah, keep them. But I personally don't. Right. So like from a, from a callous standpoint, like I, I don't really care what happens from a fan standpoint. I'm like, no, keep him. He wa- He's a guy who wants to be in Boston. He loves Boston. His sister's awesome. She loves Boston. Like, you know what I mean? Like keep guys who want to be in Boston in Boston, if it's not going to make you, you know, appreciably better. So kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but that's really how I feel. You know? No. And I, I mean, the, in the next two months, we'll kind of answer those questions or at least like, in a give a better guidance for the front office to offer those questions because, if it looks like this is, you know, with the right draw, they could go deep here and, you know, maybe with a couple 
better free agent additions, you know, to in the supporting cast for next year, then like they can be right back there. But if it's if it's not, if it's a an ugly first round out against a tough matchup, then you look at Al's contract and be like, okay, like this is this is a filler trade contract um, to get us to that really contending level as opposed to bringing back a 36 year old Al Horford when you have, you know, like you said, a cheaper alternative and in great way and potentially waiting in the wings. Um, let's wrap up with some talk around the Eastern conference. Let's start with Brooklyn here. They are coming to town on Sunday. Durant is coming back Thursday night. I presume I'll play Sunday as well. Um, you know, they, they have two days off in between those games. Kyrie also making his first appearance at the garden post, um, Stompgate, and and on top of that, Ben Simmons seems to be nowhere to be found, at least until after that Philly game for Brooklyn in you know another week or so, which is not surprising at all. Have you like what? I don't kind of see at this point, and this is probably the best situation for the Celtics. I don't see Brooklyn getting above the seventh seed. And so I feel like they're going to be stuck in that plane. And so from a Celtic standpoint, that's, that's good from a way of like, okay, you don't have to worry because the Celtics aren't going to get up to the two seed. I feel like, so you don't have to worry about them as a first round opponent in that scenario. So I think the, the fact that they have so much ground to make up right now and Durant is just coming back. I just don't see them digging out of the hole and catching the Celtics or anyone else who's, you know, in that six spot. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at I'm just scanning their their skip Brooklyn schedule right now. It's tough, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, like I, I I think Miami's a tough game, Memphis, they got Memphis, they got Dallas, they got Philly, they got Charlotte, they got us, Miami again. I mean, yeah, they got some player, they got some, they got some teams they got to worry about for sure. I just feel like Brooklyn is the type of team that the Celtics aren't where the Celtics have to rely on playing their best basketball all the time, which is why I was upset about the Detroit game. They only won by 10, like good teams beat that team and they beat that team the whole game, you know? Uh, and then the, to come the next day and, and lose to the Pacers and lose badly. And, you know, people were saying, well, it's a back-to-back. It's like, yeah, against two of the worst teams in the league. It's like, come on. Good teams just don't do that. Like, I, I don't care. Like, good teams. If you're if you're a really good team, you just don't do that. So, Brooklyn is the type of team that's the opposite of that. They'll give away half the season. They don't care. As long as everyone is healthy at the end, as long as they got their guys, as long as the vaccine mandate is, is no longer in place and Kyrie can play wherever he, want, wherever he can, then they're going to be fine. And I actually believe that. Like, I don't, I don't really care about Ben Simmons, to be honest with you. I didn't really care about the addition of James Harden. Like, I honestly think, like, Durant and Kyrie enough to, to make some noise. They're certainly on paper better than Boston. So, yeah. um, I, I worry. I, I, don't think they'll, I don't think they'll necessarily catch the six seed or whatever, but I also don't think it's going to matter much. They don't care who they play. Yeah, I know, and I agree with that. Like, to your point, like, they – by quoting out Durant this much, by not getting Simmons back in quickly, um, yeah, like they're, I think they're, they're, they'll make a run at it, but they, you know, making up four and a half games against a tough schedule, in you know, with with them only having nineteen games left, like that's that's a pretty tall order when you're trying to you're integrating a lot of new new parts there. But yeah, so it's like it's just funny though that like whoever the Bulls or the Sixers or the Bucks, like that's whoever gets that two, I wonder if a team is going to try to get out of that two seed 
just so they don't have to deal with that as their first round matchup. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're the Nets, you would love to play the Bulls. Oh, yeah. Like, as much as I think the Bulls are fun and, and really fun this season, like I'm taking the Nets all day over the Bulls. Yes. Like I'm probably taking the Nets over the Heat and the Heat are the same way. The Heat are fun, you know. You know, the Sixers are probably the Sixers and Bucks are probably the best teams in the East right now. Um, maybe not obviously not on paper, but like the, the probably the people in Brooklyn, the people you fear the most. Um, but man, I like as much as their their record doesn't reflect it, I feel fear Charlotte more than like the Bulls or the Raptors or <laughs> it's terrible. I just you know, I'm a I'm a big Lamella Ball fan. Yeah, fear, big, yeah. Yeah. And I love the way like I love, you know. Miles Bridges. I love a bunch of those guys. Terry Rozier. I, they're just. I the think first half of the season you know, they were scary as hell. Then then Hayward got hurt, and then it's like the shit hit the fan for them. They've just been an absolute mess for at least the last. They actually blew out Cleveland tonight, um, but they had lost like ten of twelve or something terrible with once Hayward went out. So, but you're right when when they're all when they're all like locked in and we're playing well. They they town wise they looked as you know as good as the Bulls on some nights. Yeah, totally. And I'm I'm being unfair to the Bulls. Like they had a great they've they've been having a great season. And I, I just like when DeMar DeRozan is your best player or one of your best players, I'm just never I'm just never thinking that you're gonna, gonna Right. Well it's like the it's like the playoff. When you you like you can't erase what DeRozan looked like in Toronto over the year, all those years in the playoffs. It's like and and in this league when you're not a three point shooter, like I know he's he's the best mid range shooter in the league. He's like Rip Hamilton level, like, you know, in the history of the league, mid-range shooter. I just like in this day and age, if you're not like an actual, if you're, if you're giving up to go back to Tatum's shot selection, right? If you're giving up three point, three point shots for long twos, even if you're making them, it's just not worth it to me, you know? All right. So you're, I'll say Brooklyn is your worst case for the Celtics in the first round theoretical matchup. What's your, What's but they won't get there. They right? won't get that right. Yeah. So yeah. So like, so what's your realistic best and worst like first round matchups for the Celtics in terms of like the possible opponents that are could be, which honestly could be anyone at this point in the top six because there's everyone's so tight at this point. Yeah, or, exactly. I mean, I I would I would love to play the Bulls. Um, I think it probably goes like I would go Bulls, uh, Sixers. Which is probably like everyone's like, what? Um, I'd rather then I'd rather play Bucks, Cavs, Heat. I think that's where I would go. And I know I'm sort of all over the place, but I just I like the way the Celtics match up, and I like against the Sixers. I like the way they play against the Sixers. I think they they sort of you know try to beat up Embiid and let make everyone else beat you. And in that trade to get Harden, they gave up some shooters, you know, they gave up Seth Curry who sure. just always torched the Celtics when they, you know, packed it in on Embiid. And like, I'm just not a Harden. Like I'm the opposite of Pina. Like Pina like loves Harden. He's the biggest, you know, Harden stand. And I get it. Like, you know, he's very good. He's one of the best top 75 players. Right. I just like, I just can't, I can't bring myself to think that, a, that a guy with Harden's game is actually like going to win a championship, like going to that, that's going to translate and take them all the way. And it hasn't yet. Right. Um, no, yeah. So, the, you're, the postseason backs you up for both those guys. It's like, it was him and Embiid have a lot to prove and the pressure yeah. is going to be squarely on both. 
Exactly. Um, and I think Milwaukee's like a little worse this year. Like I, you know, yeah. I, they're, they're awesome. Like they, you know, they won last year, like outright and uh, you know, Giannis is amazing. And, and, but I just think they're a little bit worse. And so I think they're a little bit more vulnerable and I think the Bulls are who they who they are. I mean, I think they're that that fun flash team, kind of like what the Celtics were a few years ago with right. like Isaiah Thomas. You know, sure. like amazing, really fun, successful team to root for, but ultimately not going to have enough. Um, and the Cavs scare me because they're young and they're good, <laughs> and they got the legs. And then Miami scares me because they're so well coached, and they obviously they have really good players. But like, cool, you know, I used to be such a like Eric Spolstra hater, like, oh, who is this guy? He just has really good players, but now he's 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 a very, very good coach. So yeah. I just ran through the whole Eastern Conference. No, not right. worried about the Raps. Not now we're about the Raps. Raps are an afterthought, which this should be that's a fun like team, but they're like on compared to town wise the rest of the the East or the top six in the East right now. It's or even top seven with Brooklyn in there. It's um a different ballgame. But all right. Brennan Jackson, make sure you are following him on Twitter at Jack S O B D, aka you can hit him up there at bc.edu too. His <laughs> so stupid. Um, oh. <laughs> best. But Jax, we'll be getting back with you again as this regular season rolls on, and it is nuts here. We're it's like playoffs are going to be starting in like six weeks. So it's the Celtics have the fewest games of any team left in the NBA right now. It's like. Only have lucky you right Take i know a i'm just breather man kidding. seriously <laughs> we, get, we got like you know a couple of two day two game weeks and crap like that it's it's long overdue at this point after this uh grand of a year but thanks for hopping on bud um Absolutely. make sure you're following him make sure you're following the winning place pod subscribe rate review us on itunes spotify wherever you're listening to us youtube wherever you catch us these days and we'll be back with you guys next week